Hey, welcome to this edition of Clarity Chat. I have with me Kersi Tawadia, CIO of BSE, the oldest stock exchange in Asia, which was set up in 1875. He started out with a first generation BPO organization handling EDP outsourcing for an auto component supplier group. He saw the earliest versions of digitization like the punch cards and floppies. He moved to NBFC stockbroking and then the stock exchange. And now he has led the open source adoption at BSE in a big way. His secret is being a very hands-on person and getting into the details. This is the 17th episode of Clarity Chat podcast. And here comes an exciting discussion with Kersi Tawadia, CIO of BSE. Welcome, Kersi. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only three decades old, but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively, to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Welcome to the Clarity Chat podcast. Bombay Stock Exchange was set up in 1875. So imagine the challenge of driving technology transformation in one of the oldest institutions in India, where the business model is heavily, heavily dependent on technology. Well, Kersi is the IT leader of this great institution. His philosophy is that there are no guest professors. That, you know, in my role as an advisor makes me uncomfortable, but that's okay. And what that, what he means is that, uh, you know, it has to be completely hands-on so he rolls up his sleeves gets into it directly and uh, you know operates on the philosophy of build operate transfer learn it build it do it with your own hands and then transition to a team member now this is something you know which had been my philosophy as well so it really connected you know when you do something with your own hands you understand the complexities the nuances the challenges of it and therefore when you transition it to somebody you know you are much better able to help the person and control it so he took me through his uh, mesmerizing journey over a two hour prep chat uh, we'll try to cover as much of it in uh, one hour here i mentioned a bit of it uh, in the in the LinkedIn. Uh, so we will hear it in Kersi's own words. So let's start with something interesting. So Kersi, when uh, when we were talking, you told me that everyone was congratulating you on becoming the CIO of BSE, but you didn't know this, that you have become the CIO of uh, BSE. You got to know from others. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that incident. See, prior to joining, I, I was the MD and CEO of uh, Marketplace Technologies, which is a 100% subsidiary of uh, BSC. So okay. when BSC took over Marketplace Technologies, uh, the, the purpose of this company was to give complete software services to Bombay Stock Exchange. 
So basically, it was uh, thought of an uh, in-house now development uh, complete center for all the softwares that Bobby Stockton would require. Okay, this uh, marketplace technologies would deliver it for them. So my role was more from a, as a vendor, like you know, we were a vendor to the parent company, sort of. And I was managing the show. And uh, two days in a week, like you know, I used to sit in the PJD, like Bombay Stock Exchange building itself, at PJ Towers. Twice, thrice, I used to go to my Bellapur office. So I used to always shuttle between the two offices. And uh, whenever there were issues, like on the floor, like ultimately it's a production issue. Whenever there's a thing, so maybe from the beginning I have been intrigued that if there's a problem, I just jump into it, like you no. Know, then whether it is my problem or not, then I realize later so whether should, I should have jumped in or not. So this has been my character. I don't know whether it's good or bad, but I first get into it. And uh, in a way, I tried to solve a lot of their issues which are coming, which was nothing related to me as a vendor whose job was to do more of a software and fix their software. Right? But running at this a complex infrastructure also requires a lot of networking, a lot of infra-related issues. Lot of, so basically, somebody can give, who's been giving you some toilet door. I think some of the suggestions worked for them like you no know, whatever we say let us try it why don't you try it though they had a whole lot of their vendors and everybody there but I was like, though being an outsider there like I was keep on talking to them and let's do this let's do this I don't know maybe somebody there then uh, managing director was uh, Madhu Kandan like you know, so he was I was and Ashish who's my current boss was a uh, deputy CEO and I used to report to Ashish even then and uh, one fine day I don't know out of the blue like uh, I was walking into the office and some of the people came and congratulated me sir congratulations I did not know why this is happening and then the uh, Somebody said, I then asked somebody, wait, because MDCO to one K, like almost it was two, three months. So I did expect a delayed congratulations. So I said, hey, something went through. So then they said, no, sir, we got a mail from the MD uh, that oh, you become the CIO of Bombay Stock. So then I tried to correlate, but it was not Madhu's fault or actually it was like simple communication. Again, the blame was again on IT only because the marketplace technology was not in the email list of BSC. Right? We are not, if the MD sends to all, it all goes to everybody except to me. Like so it, right. the mail was never marked to me. Nor it was discussed with me, honestly. Like no? so maybe the two top level people had discussed, and it was supposed to be communicated to me, and then communicated to everybody, HR and all. But in that end, two our MD sent it out to everybody. So when I went and talked to Ashish, I said, "Is this true?" I said, "Yes, I was going to talk to you, but how did you know?" I said, "Already, dunia ko pata chal gaya." Like, like, like <laughs> no, he said, Ashish was out, and he said, "I was going to talk to you in the evening. We discussed this, and maybe we would have told to you." Like I was about to tell you this. So I said, "Cause then this is the way." He said, "No, no, he's very fast than me also." So maybe Maybe you shot out the mail to everybody before I could talk to you. So this okay. was a quite a surprise. Like, no, this was a, this was one of the very funniest incidents like I have seen in my life. Like, <laughs> no, this is like you know, I, when I imagine it, I'm like I can't stop laughing that you know, you become the CIO and you are the last one to know in the company that you have become the CIO. But I think I think there's some important uh, lessons here or you know important uh, takeaways here. Uh, as I can see it. So one is that, you know, even though you were a vendor to them, because you were working in a very seamless manner with them, you know, it was not like, you know, I versus they. So you were solving their problems, whether they had anything to do with you or not. And, uh, you know, you were adding so much of value that it was a very natural thing for them to like, you know, I mean, your whole acceptability as, you know, somebody who can lead IT team with IT. And I think here is the, the, here is a message to youngsters that, you know, never look at your, never like look at the boundaries of your role as what you're supposed to do. I think eventually we have to meet the objectives. We have to deliver the outcomes and your credibility and position in the company gets built out of, you know, whether you deliver the results, even if it means sometimes going out of your bound. I think the other thing is like, you know, this is 
something which you cannot expect in IT because we always follow those protocols. You know, when you are doing transitions or you know go lives, you yeah. cannot do <laughs> steps before or after each other. So I think that's where it would have been a surprise as well. But thanks for starting on a funny note, Kersi. Your questions are important to us. You know, I call managing IT is an art that can be learned from the artist. So Kersi is the artist here, and he's going to walk through uh, his canvas and he's going to explain to you if you ask the questions. So what we are going to cover here a few things. One is being a hands-on professional. So he sort of just told you that you know being very hands-on got him the CIO role at BSC, and he came to know about it the last. It was so obvious. You know, change management. So BSC is a fairly old institution. Kersi started out in manufacturing when you know uh, when IT wasn't on the shop floor. So he will. So we'll talk about change management. How how to move people. You know, which is harder than moving technology. Kersi has been a big uh, adopter of open source. So we'll pick his brains on that. One of the things that Kersi told me was that he has never had any problem getting investments into technology from his CEOs. And I'm really curious as all of you to learn this art of like, you know, how do you go to the CEO so that he says yes or how to mesmerize him, you know, with your technology uh, what do you call a story? And of course, you know, I think Kersi is preti close to uh, 60 now, I believe, uh, Kersi. And, you know, he's still like, you know, hands-on, still up to date. And I think there's some lesson in here for everybody which we can learn from Kersi on, you know, how to keep yourself relevant. Of course, after we've done all of this, we will do a rapid fire round with Kersi. And then Kersi will ask me a question because just to get back to me as I, have, I would have been asking him all the questions. So please keep pinging all of you out there as Kersi talks about his walks here on the class. Chat. So, Kersi, you know, we have on Clarity Chat, TXOs, founders, IT managers, technology folks, all of them with a common agenda that, you know, how to find better ROI, how to how to find the real business success with technologies, you know, from the experiences of leaders like us. Tell us your career story in the next, uh, you know, let's say five to seven minutes and focus on some key inflection points and learnings, you know, that have stayed with you and which you can look back and say, that, you know, oh yeah, this was a big learning that led to where, where I am today. Over to you. Yeah. So good evening, everybody. And uh, thanks, Jagdish, once again. Let me start uh, from like, way back. If I were to start from my college when I passed out. So even at that level, that was way back in 1982 when I passed out my graduation from KC College. Uh, I had something awake. Let's do something different than what everybody is doing. And in those days, computers was the latest thing in the industry which had come because not very many people, even in the what you call the so-called education institutions or even the industrial, knew anything about it. It was just something that is available abroad, but India man, it is just coming in now. It was something very akin to that. And I took a uh, sort of, okay, if you're doing something, let's try it out. So we, maybe I started doing my diploma in computer science. That was the first time I learned what a computer looks like. And in those days, uh, and today people might laugh at us, like, you know, but really we actually started from, there was something called a sponge cards, like the when the programming or the, the data used to be punched on the cards. Then there was something like the card punch had to be retaken to a card reader. From the card reader, it had to be converted to tapes, the tapes to hard disk and hard disk to floppy. And then we were able to use the floppy. There so much of data 
complexity in gathering simple data. Like today, you just do it on the instant of a mobile and it's online delivered. Right? Just to gather data itself was a bigger problem. So there are two types of problems then. One is one was how to gather data for to make it readable by a computer. So that was a bigger challenge. Then the computer was to be reading and then doing some magic as those days and then giving them output. So most of the times, computers were then used uh, for uh, post activities. Like it was more from uh, doing month end reporting, like you no know, typing in the data, printing out your ledger books and uh, those kind of stuff. So I started my career with a very small company called Login Utility. And uh, even at that time, like again, I was saying it was the vendor client. Uh, we were vendors to an OEM group of companies, manufacturing companies who are the OEMs to all these automobile manufacturers. So indirectly, like like we were your customers, Jagdish. We were also like uh, Tata Motors was our customer. Like even in those days, like you know, they used to, it was not Tata, it was that time it was Telco. Yeah, like, yeah. They used to manufacture trucks and we used to sell them spares for the trucks and all that. So I remember that because I was myself at that point very much on the shop floor and knowing a Tata ka order, a Telco ka order aare, and like what we have to manufacture. In. So initially, in my initial days, I used to work uh, a lot of things on the finance side. So basically, my first, uh, I, in fact, I started as an operator, like, and it was a big fascination then, like, you know, to enter a computer room and we were the only privileged guys though. And that time, there was nothing like a data center or it was a office in which one cabin was made into a computer room and there was a computer which is uh, as big as a refrigerator, right? refrigerator or Godrej cupboard, what you see, like Almira, like that used to cupboard, and it used to have some 16 KB of RAM. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Those were days. So we were to set and in sitting in front of it and there was some console, one console and some four floppies disk. And we used to operate within that premise. And there was one huge line printer where we used to print our report. That was the only thing which was there in the room. And we were supposed to ma- manage it. And it was, and we were, people are working, were always looked at with I- IV, like, you know, because was the biggest privilege we had was the, where everybody was sitting in a normal office. We were the only privilege that I used to have an AC room to sit in. I agree. Okay. So we started from there and it was a long, so started basically as an operator. So my job was at that time also was to just to daily morning, come open the room, clean the printers, tries to clean those. No, we, so we never felt bad like today, but in today's days, if I tell somebody to clean the printer, I, I, I maybe, I don't know what he'll tell me. Like I even get scared to even tell them, but we were, we actually used to clean printer from inside, outside very thoroughly so that the amount of dust it used to accumulate in those printer, the kind of printing jobs we used to do. It is to collect a lot of paper dust. We have to clean it with a vacuum cleaner, clean all the drives so that there is because dust was the only enemy at that time so we were so uh, paranoid i mean that's how this has come to keep it clean keep it clean because we come from that era where dust was the biggest so used to clean everything with so detailed uh, even the floppy drives at that time used to clean the heads and everything we used to do it by our own hands and then start the computer so even the start of the computer was a ritual so it was nothing like uh, today like you don't shut down those days we had to start so starting was a ritual shutting down was a ritual so we started from those days then i from operations and uh, we had programmers even over there and uh, we were working for this finance people. So my first customer was a finance manager and who used to, we used to print out their ledgers and the balance sheets and uh, all those things at the month end. And uh, when I used to, like, again, I was facing the customer directly even at that, those days. So I used to just take the printout reports and then give it to the customer and say, this is your balance sheet, your process day for this particular month. And the finance manager would just, they were so good in those times, the old people, I sometimes respect them even today that they had so much of uh, accuracy in the figures and the judgment that he would scroll down that sheet and he would cross and he just said something is wrong check it out that's all now how to figure it out he would never tell us what is gone wrong 
so that tried to sort of intrigue us like also to find out like you know rather than getting answers like what went wrong maybe we have input the wrong value or have we coded it wrong because that time it was not everything was evolving so for us it was every day was a new learning so when we are doing data entry and all this so that basically intrigued me to even to talk to them because i had done my programming but i was not very clear with this financial terms right so if you want to understand the customer's language you should know to speak that language right so and that's how i started i did my finance management so i did my master in finance management along with my job so it was not that so i used to work till 6 in the and then from 7 onwards i used to go to uh, nmims that was and we were the, i think so that time also that was the first batch of nmims when they started their masters in financial management these kind of courses so i think that that helped doing a man- management in finance helped me us a lot to understand the nuances of the finance and what finance looks like and wh- what is the language that the management talks so i think that made a very big impact on my understanding and my the way i used to develop even at that time i was a very junior developer like i used to write it was very mechanical for me to just tell me what the person has told me and write it now i could think what the customer would want and then accordingly i would write so that made a big difference in the way you like the manufacture based on the customers need so it helped us a lot then for the same company group of companies like for the first few months or a couple of years i would say we were only with the doing this kind of monthly activities for this and then doing the monthly payroll activities and doing this financial accounting systems then we started doing their uh, something for the factory like you know what do you, how do you get value of computers by because up to now whatever we are doing we, it's some data we were collecting and processing at the month end so there were a couple of uh, mcu of those companies manufacturing companies because they used to always scribble in me ke ye to tum bakwas kar rahe ho hamara kuch fayda nahi hota hai because for them manufacturing helping in manufacturing more important be rather than the cfo getting his balance sheet again within the company always the requirement keep changing which happens even today even at those time he said do something for the shop floors do something so that my production management inventory we can control because those days i believe you can correlate jagdish that uh, on our shop floor how the inventories were managed i don't know whether you have seen those manual ledgers or not was maybe now most of the companies the assets are digitalized or computerized but those days i remember going onto the shop floor and huge ledgers were there where you should like you no know, writing in by hand people used to write so many nut balls taken so many shafts taken so many steel rods have been pulled out like for everything there was a ledger and there used to be manual writing ledger and i, I you are wondering how do we do this and how these guys are doing so meticulously like yeah, there were problems but they were still very meticulous in what they were doing but the challenge was when we were doing something like a yearly audit or something like no half the pages were torn because they were used by the workers by their of course when their hands they are not that uh, clean and all that like they are working in the factory they are picking up the greased hands they are touching so the thing was very messy that kind of thing so that's how we started doing so I, that was my first era like we started writing something called the material requirements planning like how to manage the inventory mm-hmm. at the same time how do you plan the inventory because their bigger challenge was the inventory was there but it was not matching the sales like if you want to produce 10 cars for 10 cars what is the if you break down the bill of materials what is the actual spare components that you require now all this was being done manually in those era so you can imagine what challenges these guys would have at those point in time so I, we started doing those thing and that i think so made a very big difference so at least the report started coming but even then they were not satisfied yes they say yes you are doing it now we are doing only like a working like a calculator so now you are telling me what is required what is the use you should tell me then what is consumed at that time what is to happen even in the like like was the even those days in the factories the computer room was another room which was on some office 
lot actually and uh, people would bring their uh, mi what is material issues slips or material receipt what is you call mrs or mi or different people call it differently so what the material is coming and what the material the stores person has issued so they would bring those slips give it to the computer room somebody would punch it and then they would say your ledger balance is your store balance is so much so while the store balance in the books it was correct computing correctly but on the shop floor it was still the same so basically we are doing two jobs one which is for the management which is computerized one the old uh, the manual things were still going on so that was his complaint and uh, he was again complaining that this is useless what you guys are doing i said what we guys are doing is not useless now the management has to think that time honestly I, we were very junior people like i being an outsider i being a vendor person i could not talk to an md and tell him but i could just say can we try giving it to this person and this mindset of the management even those time was these guys are not supposed to touch a computer computer is not their cup of tea so even that was a, again a mindset issue and every time i have been all throughout my career i have said technology is not the issue it is the mindset whether it's a junior or the senior there is a mindset issue at every level so we were not allowed even to they were not even allowed to even come and see what the computer room looks like so it was so much of a, a grouse against them you know basically it was management versus workers so and uh, i was at that time also was not very why this divide thing i was so engrossed in my it work i said it's it's a computer is doing the work now whether i punch it or somebody else does it how does it make a difference right? but for them it was a big so it was like a white collar job versus a blue collar job that correct so those things so finally one friday after so much of persuasion he said i will give you only one corner don't tell me if the computer gets spoiled first condition was it should work without ac i will not give you ac i cannot give you ac down and if it is spoiled you are responsible i mean it was so funny at that point but i i told him okay sir laga dijiye koi problem nahi hai instead of running full day we'll run it for couple of hours and see how it works so those times we used to have small piece, it was not at that time even desktops were not available And we used to have something called as attendee from DCM. It was like personal computers, but not a PC form. It was some other. I, only thing now, if I can make some antique museum, maybe I can get some pictures and make some museums for people. <laughs> people yeah. can look at those kind of things yeah. so how did you get, get this confidence and this some of the guys who were working who were supposed to be the union leaders were also working and they were very decent people at that time and they were very good with me okay they said okay fine so what i did was okay fine we sat down then i used to sit in the factory on the shop floor and whatever the person was punching i took the slips from me i said okay for the first few days you sit next to me and see what i am doing just to send awareness see, because the, it's a fear of unknown see, even those guys were scared like you know, what it looks like but when they saw it happening and working After two days, that guy said, "Arey, sir, इतने कुछ नहीं आप हमको दे दीजिए, आप आप हमको सिखा दीजिए." So that is that was the icebreaker. Like when I was doing in front of them, I said, "Okay, this you sit and you try." So unless you, it was like basic hand holding, like you know, that you have to do it and give them confidence. Yes, we are there. Nothing wrong in this. We started it and slowly, slowly, it just like I would say, it started and the rest is history. I would say like that's how it started. Everybody started and but the best part is the MD was very angry with me. He said, "Why did you do that? Now they will ask more for you coming." or more some bonus some allowance for using computer i said now <laughs> so I, you should I have asked it also i said bhai tum kitna mere se kara hoge like no Somewhere yeah, you have to. Somewhere I, I always thought, okay, like it was the older people mindset also of how to get uh, things work. It was not the people with the lower strata were against this. Maybe in those days the, the mindsets were not. So I, I had gone through this whole industrial revolution era. Like I was a part of the when there was a strikes also. But since IT was outside the company, the management was very safe. But I was always yeah. a management man to them. Yeah. So, so can see. Uh, 
um, you know first thing i must tell you that i'm sure a lot of our audience are feeling it you know the cio of bombay stock exchange is talking so intimately about the manufacturing processes i'm i'm sure nobody imagined it okay but i think uh, you know some takeaways from me one is that you know you have been very hands on you learned that whole hands on philosophy from there you know right from cleaning the printers to, you know doing everything including sitting on the shop floor with these uh, with the workers and all of that the other thing that i picked up was like you know so while while you are supposed to like you part of the vendor you're supposed to take orders you know do this do that but you went beyond that what into beyond what needs to be done to why it needs to be done you know like attending those evening classes you know taking that uh, learning finance and all of that and i think it's always very it's a very very strong and important message uh, that you know let's not just do what is asked to be done but if you go beyond that into the why of it i think that's where the learning and the domain knowledge comes in then you know you talked about the ledgers and all i think by the time i came into tata motors everything was like at least uh, you know to that extent it, the ledgers used to come out of sap but i know uh, we had one incident in you know when we were implementing crm in our dealerships you know some dealership somewhere in the you know inner parts of maharashtra our people went and they they were surprised to see that you know the dealership was still using those you know paper ledgers okay <laughs> and i remember a funny incident where you know when they were being trained to uh, and they were asked like to take your mouse to the top right part of the screen so mm. they literally you know they literally picked up the mouse and <laughs> took it to the right corner of the screen but yeah all of these uh, and you know like i think the other thing that you mentioned is you know the value expectation from the management so technology doesn't mean anything if people do not see the value coming out of it and what that meant is like you know you having to sit take the computer to the shop floor teach those people and then you know basically cut down those time cycle you know reduce the duplication of work so this is lot that is required and we see uh, you know time and again that just putting the technology doesn't work you know you have to you know yes. modify the process you have to you have to lean the process and then you know you have to really make the people use it you know with whatever change management and everything so let's let's move ahead kersi we are almost halfway into it so let's move a little bit faster let's i i already have some questions you know from the audience so let me start taking them so seshu is asking that hi sir could you please take these two questions to mikirti was there any it process initiated by it before business thought of it which benefited stock exchange has yes i can tell which was adopted by other i would not say whether they adopted it or not but uh, i think so in the 2014 when bsc trans i would say that was the biggest uh, transition period in bss history when we migrated our entire trading platform to an open mm-hmm. stack platform to an open source platform and uh, the way we have done it i don't think any exchange in the world has done it or not even or any institution of this size like i would say mm-hmm. style of, mm-hmm. of a stock exchange or a bank or any industry like where we we switched over on from a friday on i don't see uh, that kind of a change that has been done ever one more this uh, basic very good system that bss has developed since you asked specifically for a stock exchange i was saying BSC was the first exchange again in the world to do surveillance as a service uh, concept that was developed by BSC IT basically we de- did it for our own countries broker members for our own members so that whatever surveillance the exchange does it for its members the same can be extended to the brokers for their clients okay. See, because when you do a surveillance what happens is uh, exchange may have a wherewithal to do something but a member may not have so much of wherewithal to manage its clients surveillance so when some issue crops up uh, 
in our surveillance even our surveillance at that time was not real real time it is we used to do those analysis at the month end and then ask for explanation from the broker members okay, why this kind of thing why you have done this by the time the broker answers it is at least three to four to six months like so even the broker might not even aware okay, why this has happened he says i don't know nobody if you had told me within two days i could have checked it now you are asking me after 15 20 days i also have to dig out i don't have so now that excuse has gone so now we have something called as real-time system alert so whatever i have seen it it is also at the broker's desk at that same point in time so broker does not have a excuse or anything where a surveillance he is not aware of what they then we are expected to now he's only expected to take action on the alert we don't have to inform of the alert okay, so i okay. think in this kind of a surveillance service i have attended many world forum exchanges so when i go and speak at that even till few years back people were writing white papers on this we mm-hmm. said we forget white paper either to the paper has become old also we are mm-hmm. not writing a paper we are practicing this so at times i would say our exchanges are doing far more better surveillance practices than the rest of the world so this is a, okay. one of the real life example i would say it was later on that some people are saying how we are doing it so when i had spoken at the thing they were surprised that we are already live so where people are talking about can we do this so we said so this was i would say i would like to answer this issue for this particular i hope uh, i answered it yeah i think i think i think that's uh, that's really insightful uh, kersi so it's like a service mindset you know before so why people are doing like you know infrastructure as a service software as a service you know here you are adding your bit by doing surveillance as a service so that's really interesting that you know as a service concept is not limited to just it alone now coming to the other one you know you just alluded to it you know you did this major migration into open source and you know that's where that's one of the themes of our chat you know about the open source adoption a, a lot of people are still uh, worried you know that who's backing open source so i think some of the typical questions that i've heard is like you know while there are big vendors backing you know specific uh, proprietary technologies like you know where is that assurance on the longevity of open source uh, even though we know the communities are there then you know how do you keep that up to date you know what are the compliance concerns you know security concerns hey i am your podcast host jagdish belwal I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it. Leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening. and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on linkedin I guess uh, you know there's something that you can tell our audience Kersi about you know your own yeah. uh, adoption of uh, open source I would yeah. yeah I'll be very frank maybe I might sound some little rude also here but act here is you have to own your decision I mean, now whether it is open source or proprietary, most people are reluctant to use open source purely because they don't want to own that decision that I took a call to get the open source or make use the open source. 
because if it's a proprietary vendor or something like that again it's a mindset i keep on saying again it's a thought that yes somebody is there who's responsible and will give me the product you are dependent any which is on that person it's not that so again i'm saying it's it's like a, a fixed person versus a unknown person like in in a proprietary you know that mr a is responsible when you are using an open uh, community or the community is then the open source you may not know that person but there is a community there are people out in the for doing the job so you have to like be hands on see why i'm saying again and again because if you expect that somebody will implement an open source for you then you better not even venture it because right. open source is not uh, somebody will fix it. So open source you have to fix install it you have to ensure that you are getting the right so you have to learn it see which is the best open source tools available do some research yourself try to find out see who is going to support it and do it see there are many advantages of doing this way it is one is that you become hands on or you become more knowledgeable or experience out that you are doing this kind of a service secondly it is very very cost effective because uh, many a times people try to get the tool before the product for doing a service so tool is so complex so then learning the tool itself is a challenge then solving your business problem so yeah. i always have this philosophy of saying that i don't want to buy a problem already there is a problem in hand on the business side i don't want to buy another tool which is a problem itself rather than a solution and most people end up doing that unfortunately even today so i would still feel that all these things about security and longevity is as good as any whether it is open source or proprietary it is the same good companies yeah. proprietary companies also get bought over and they say now tomorrow onwards or next year onwards we are not we are getting out of this product line what do you do about that Correct. so it happen keeps that's happening that's industry yeah that's right that's right so um, yeah you know you have like you know this a company will tell you that you know okay this is this product i'm going to sunset you know in so and so year even though it's running well for you and you <laughs> and you don't really yeah. want to so here on this uh, there is a follow up question from shantanu kirsi uh, which says you own open source you need to build your own security system compliant i believe it is compliant compliant to cyber security rules and policy and uh, and he says open source is dumb no no see again i am keeping on repeating you can keep talking anything about it all systems you, like i said you have to work over it so when you are running an open source system it has to be gauged and you just continuously it has to be worked upon so to fix the thing that you yeah, all open source systems are dumb or they are not compliant to the cyber security it evolves and that is a risk and that is the you will have to take it as a cio that you know the product well transition from manufacturing into uh, financial services and then ending up in stock I mean, in target. So, uh, did you hear my question, uh, Kirsi? No, I couldn't hear you. What was it? Yeah. No, I said that you know. Can you quickly take us through in the next uh, to a few minutes? Can you take us through your transition from manufacturing into financial services, ending up in BSE? Yeah. So maybe after a long stint in almost ten years, had uh, again uh, you try to shift when something goes wrong, and at that point in time, automobile uh, industry was going through a bad turmoil everywhere, auto sectors, and there was a bad time at, at a certain point in time. and that was the time when i thought of uh, taking a shift and uh, i started uh, my career with uh, another uh, apple finance uh, was one of the nbfcs so again i shifted from a manufacturing to an nbfc company again so again that was a totally new area for me but uh, having done a lot of things on the financial side and the accounting side it was little easier for me to get into those side uh, on the apple finance so i will just continue till uh, joins back so like uh, we had basically a transition from a uh, manufacturing to apple 
capital finance was basically into a financial NBFC domain. So that was again a new industry for me at that point. In those days also transformed the entire FD. Look at six, please let's In those days, FD, people used to take a fixed deposit. It used to be delivered after a month or so. So that was a bigger challenge given to me was at that point in. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm saying it is a risk that you do. But when you say open source, uh, see again, there is a misconception on open source and open stack. So when we use in certain critical functions, you may still use proprietary technology. But it is, there are many businesses in which areas in which you can still use open and open source. So that is, that is what we are trying to tell people. For example, you're doing something on the analytics, you do uh, your CRM solutions. Uh, there's so many other solutions that you work on your single sign-on solutions that are available. Your basic matching engine can be still working on the proprietary stack, but the databases and some other things that we use can be used for. So it's a mix and match. You are right that you have to take a right uh, risk. It's a risk and reward. You have to take a right call at that right time. So it, what I'm not proposing that everything should be used open source because ultimately even the open source guys have a enterprise version of that. So what you the, the advantage over there is you start with an community version and if you feel comfortable at a later point in time, take its enterprise version. In a way, you're learning the ropes. You're not bound into that first time like buying the license and trying to, there's no exit for you at that point in time. So that is where I'm trying to say okay, it, it's a learning curve if you're starting fresh. If you don't know what your business, the best way is to go the open source way so that you're not at least one cost of the licenses you're saving it on. And if the business is doing well and if you're getting into it, yes, you have a chance as you can work and take an enterprise support for it if you want, if you want to feel comfortable about it. Yeah, I couldn't, nobody could hear me. So I just closed my browser and restarted and it starts working. So that's how technology is. So, uh, come, so let's move on. And so, you know, I mean, I, I heard your stories about chain management at the shop floor and, uh, you know, now, you know, bringing this whole change and transformation at, uh, at BSC. Just tell us like maybe two or three uh, principles you follow in your change management and, and taking people along and then, you know, like catalyzing uh, the whole transformation from a, from a human point of view. Yeah, it's very, very important. In an ID, we follow very strict, what you said, the protocols of a change management, this approval, that what are you take few hundred approvals before you go live types. Like. So, and so if you keep, if you follow that, maybe your chances of your success are very, not very high. But if you take the customer along, if the user along uh, and then the user acceptance, so taking the user at the end of it, that is where the problems start. What I have been always telling our teams also, then that's why, why we are more successful is basically our users are involved from day one. So the, from the first step, like if you're making a change, if you're trying to get into a new software, getting, making us changes, get the user involved in your change management cycle. User buying should be first, like try to give him some teasers type, no? your screenshots or like, no, take his viewpoints. Maybe it could be your design your thing only but give him yes this is the way what do you think if I give you like this so moment he gives you that input of or their value additions it becomes his product and then your half your battle of selling is won you know, then you don't have to sell it okay. then you have to only maintain and support it so you should always say try to do get them involved at the initial stages of any new changes that you are doing it and then it becomes quite simple but having said that in our kind of an industry the bigger challenge is there are too many regulatory changes which keep coming in. Okay. So there it is. Uh, 
it is more by force than by choice okay so we have to accept we have to do these changes and that point in time maybe the leverage of making any adjustments is minimal but when you when you are doing your own homegrown product for our own internal consumption i think so users mind uh, and acceptances and we have done a lot of projects like the, we in fact uh, we even replaced our financial accounting which was being run on our, one of the most branded erp systems and we shifted to our homegrown system and all group companies have now migrated onto that so it's it's just that if you're pained by so many erps of the world and if you solve their pains then customer is not bothered which system you're using he's using our system which is solving his problem yeah i think i think i think the most important takeaway here is that you know don't you know don't do that don't do that that you build it and then you take it and you know try to like you know get the acceptance i think you have to involve people right in the beginning in terms of design and you know which in the new world people call as design thinking or you know user centric you know design yeah that is that is one thing the other thing you know yes i think which comes when i talk to you comes out very clearly that you are very hands on and hands on not in just a it point of view but you know even like getting into the details of the process how things are happening and and that gives you a a good insight to sort of you know design it well i think that is something that again cannot be taken away you know getting into the shoes of the users understanding what those you know what are the day to day issues what are the expectations of users or what are the pains of users so that's very important so there is another comment from uh, shantanu about uh, organization change management about transforming from hierarchical model clustered hierarchy map to a certain vision and value proposition does this thinking and mindset is applicable in bse yeah kirsi you want to take a shot at I... or I, the question looks a little complicated to me, but I am trying to explain the essence in a simple language. Is uh, one of the best things in BSC is that the mindset of the senior management is totally customer oriented. We are not at all what I would say hierarchical in our approach. The hierarchical approach itself is missing, and that is the whole beauty of this management. Okay. Anybody can walk into and talk to MD. Anybody can walk in and talk to the CIO. Anybody can come in with any idea. Everybody is getting equal importance. So let me put it that way. So thankfully in BSE that organization it is a very very I would say it's a flat. I would hierarchies is just more from a responsibility of I would say approvals process or this to manage that, but. not from an authoritative point of view okay okay no that's okay. That, that, that that that's really that's really uh, i think that's that's very important you know when you want to build a customer centric culture then you have to have you know you have to you have to lessen the number of hierarchies you know you have to build that open culture so that, uh, yeah. you know that's what basically makes uh, you know problems get uh, you know bubbled up faster get escalated faster and all that i mean See, everybody to give an example even in bsc today if the member has an issue or whatever xy the technology he may even call my md and say sir zara then the md calls me uska problem solve kar do then i have to tell my guys okay fine but aise ke if it comes from this channel also it's never said ke tum jaake help desk mein baat karo yeah correct correct no that's that's so, it's a very important thing because so that is the we have kept you never whoever calls up we never tell our customer if I, if even i get a call which is totally irrelevant to my department i will ask the department guys i mean there's a call from this and this number please solve this problem and ensure that if it is done just report to us so that if he calls me again i will tell him that it is done so this yeah. kind of a culture is there within the organization so that helps whoever picks up a call if it's for bsc we don't tell the customer you call somebody else yeah yeah no no i think kasi you know i can relate to you know to my own uh, experience here see one is that you know people don't just call up uh, you know for the fun of it they will only call when 
and when they are really in trouble, that's when only they will call Ashish or you, right? And uh, that means, and and I kind of took the same approach that you know my EA used to keep a log of all the calls that I received, you know, from anyone a call or an email, and they would like you know become then the concierge, you know, who would kind of just uh, get the problem solved. And I think that's important from point of view of your employees and your stakeholders trusting the high office that yeah you know if I if I call there the problem would get solved. And I think that's a that's a but but I what I see is that you're doing it at scale where you know everybody is you know solving it for the customer. So uh, Kesi, I want to I don't want to leave you before uh, you know you answer uh, before you share your secrets about getting investment from CEOs. So you you told me that. Any CEO you ask for investment never refused you. So what's that secret sauce? How do you how do you position it? How do you I don't mesmerize anybody. I don't mesmerize. You said some mesmerizing. I think. See, basically, uh, what we have been doing and I've been doing all along is uh, you start small. I mean, any investment, anything, if you're doing, you show a value. You start small, show results. Once the results are seen, and fortunately for me, all my bosses have been uh, quite uh, open with me, and uh, I would say the trust factor was immense. Like whenever we talked, like, uh, it was never an integrity issue. It was just that will we be able to afford it? It was that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, but Budgets from not from a that I will not give you a budget. Then it was really if it's required, let us do it. Even if it was to stretch it. Like one of my bosses, I like I mentioned to you, like Mr. Motilalji, Motilal Oswal, for whom I had also worked. He used to like when we used to ask him, he had like a concept like a stop loss, like TK, like yeah, if you're spending yeah, yeah. so so much, okay, let's you not go beyond this. So even if it is a loss, it does not work. This project much investment might fine. It's like in R and D, you tried it, it didn't work fine, but at least we tried it. In fact, he uh, was one of my men. Like you no, know, one of the times I would just say is uh, he had told me to like you know, to sit for an NCFM exam. Like you no, know, it was basically at those times stock is. Uh, I was a part of the broker side, so anybody wanting to run a terminal had to go and give online exam. So I said I am not a dealer. Why should I go and give an exam? So his point was very simple. Like you know, he said maximum what will happen you'll fail, na? What else? Like what will happen? You know, so just go try it. Yeah, yeah. So it was that kind of a thing. Like the trying is the thing. So even he had this mindset that yes, okay, fine, let us try new. Things and in a limited manner. So I think that that's been our objective. Whenever you try, we have been very rational. And um, I am not one of the persons who will try. Uh, like you know, to do ten year hence for thinking and say, okay, we'll try to invest everything today. In IT, you invest small, small, small because by anything which you're trying to invest, which you, you think there's nothing like twenty year lasting in it because three, four, five years your hardware is get obsolete, your technologies get obsolete. So you make smaller milestones and the smaller investments, which gives you a larger uh, value. Yeah. So you you do you you do step up approach. Like you, know, you do a storage also something like that. You the basic free Work, you try to make it, and then you do a stepped approach. So as you yeah. grow business, you try for more investments. But your infrastructure that you build should be capable of rising up. Correct. Yeah, I think uh, you know while it comes so naturally to you, you know for everyone else, I think there are still some good nuggets here. So let me just recount what I noted. You know, start small. Uh, you know, make your CEO feel that you know the stop loss. There is a stop loss here in case it doesn't work. We are not going to. We are not going to you know destroy the company or you know like uh, make some big losses. So one thing. That you just mentioned in passing, but that's so important. You said that you know you always build a good amount of trust with your CEOs, and I think that's very important that we hold ourselves accountable. And when we undertake a project, we don't just get it signed off 
but we also see to it that it has delivered value so one of the things yes. i used to one of the things i used to do in my when uh, in my cxo governance so the bu head level especially was to actually take the last uh, one to two years you know the programs delivered in the last one to two years and then present a scorecard to the bu head that you know these you know whether he is realizing the business value from it or not and we used to you know we used to analyze it across four or five different dimensions like for example adoption for example you know are people using any workarounds or you know has everybody been trained or is everybody across the organization using it because we had so many offices and so many plants you know it was easy to see you know who's using it's not and uh, and and that used to build a lot of trust because they knew that we are not just like you know leaving it after delivery but we are also it's like they, we, are, we are not just the obstetrician but you know we are also the pediatricians as well <laughs> so uh, so that trust is very important uh, trust and credibility uh, you touched yes. upon a very important takes some time to build that trust takes a really you have to deliver see it is trust is not talking trust like there has to be a quantifiable uh, value has to be seen by the customers the and uh, that's what gives you the confidence even to the management that if the customer is happy let's invest more no, absolutely and you know again 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 kersi it comes very naturally to you, to you but i haven't but i have seen people you know who kind of stop at the delivery and then they move on to the next project but you know there are very few people like you who will like go end to end and see that you know it is really delivering the benefits that it is and that's when i think you know you really build trust because there's a lot that needs to be done after the technology delivery comes of you know whether streaming yes. process change, changes you know you know maybe maybe making some changes along with the along with the department heads and all of that so uh, kersi i think we are just like you know a, a little over time but i don't want to let you go before our exciting last section which is you know our rapid fire so kersi i'm sure you've been in the financial sector you've seen a lot of crisis a lot of you know shouting on the floor and uh, in these times of crisis or you may even call as like you know mini crisis how do you divide the roles between you and the ceo or cxos See, i would uh, very simple like you know, at that point in time the lines are very blurred there is no the ceo can get into anybody's shoes he can become a cio he can be a cfo he can get into and talk the same language at that time he and at least from my experience i have never experienced a counter it is the cio ceo and the cxo like whatever cxo wants to tell out maybe if he knows if it is cannot be his message cannot be heard the ceo will speak the language of cio and pass on the message but the message is the same only thing who's delivering the message again like we said it's the act that you want to do more important rather than who says is more important absolutely okay but then if it goes gets it done fine so be it okay okay that's great okay so the second question let's see what are the what are two or three unique counterintuitive things that you do which you see that your peers are not doing what makes you i i don't know what they are not doing but i can tell you what i keep doing sometimes so uh, is uh, probably because i'm quite uh, intrigued by anything right? anything new or something like right? so okay. so i am not very comfortable uh, doing the same thing for a very long time even the, even in that case like if i'm used the technology something okay fine it's working so but what next right? so maybe i'm not a very uh, that way mentally very satisfied okay chalo let's rest so that does not come to me okay okay but, but that's that's important you're all you know you are always progressing because you're never satisfied you're always looking at next yeah yeah so so next uh, question what is the biggest support a cio should ask a ceo for one is definitely budgets what i had said and secondly is the support on the projects and the mindset 
like i would say to getting get the uh, ball rolling it definitely at, at times finance is not the issue like me put it that it is more to push the culture and that is the biggest challenge any even the ceos will face so i think say if that the biggest support is how do you change the culture of the organization and that has to be driven top yeah yeah absolutely yeah but you want to hear that yeah i saw i'm i think i'm facing some uh, bandwidth issues but i hope others were able to hear so can our audience uh, tell us whether you heard kersi okay but kersi let me uh, tell you what i heard what i heard is like you know there are two things uh, you know which is uh, mindsets and culture on which the ceo is the best person in the organization to directly attack those or to work on those i think that's a help us yeah you should ask that's that's really really so important my second last question is what is the biggest blocker amongst cxos that cio should manage I would again say that you need to wear their shoes also. Like at times, you yeah. also become uh, like for example, uh, an IT CIO is the best guy to who can he may not be hundred percent fit in any, but he'll understand their shoes like, or the pains. Like I would say somehow. Like, yeah. But, uh, uh, but you know, um, I mean, just to share with you my two bits on it. Uh, most of CXOs are very very you know time driven and their time frames are very short. And when you're working in IT, sometimes the time frames those time frames do not work. And I think that's one thing that. I have that I have seen that you know you need to really work with them. That listen, IT uh, you first need to build a foundation before you like you know really start building the building. And and most of the times they understand that. But I think the mindset is that you know I want it like this quarter, this quarter, this quarter. So <laughs> that's something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, that demand is always we wanted yesterday. But yeah, okay. If you give me after two three days, I will still accept it. But what yeah. you want, I don't know. <laughs> that's right. That's okay. Right. It's like defining those defining what your expectations very clearly. Today expectations are also, uh, and that's one problem which I have been seeing. Once you deliver the expectation, also like you are raising your own bar and your own problem. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, the last question is, uh, what should a business leader do differently to become a digital business leader? Now, let me let me just set a little bit of context here for you. You know, I mean, the the lines between the the digital and physical businesses are blurring. You know, I mean, most of the things are getting enabled on digital, especially post pandemic. You know, sales is getting digital. Your products are getting digital. Your channels are uh, enabled. And I think there's an anxiety amongst uh, business leaders that you know, how do I how do I I lead that transition and how do I I work closely with my IT departments to, uh, to to enable that digital business. So, so what's your advice for the business leaders? So everybody has to be, try to become a CIO. Like you know, let me put it that way. The CIO cannot become a business leader, but every business leader technically should now because now today there is uh, yeah, like I said. It's like using everybody should knows how to use the mobile phone very effectively. But the mobile phone manufacturers may not be they're totally irrelevant to them who manufactures it, right? Similarly, the IT will be the guys who will be trying to give them the platforms on which you use it. How you use it is totally your thing. So that's where. But they should be IT savvy users. If you are not, then you will not be a business leader. Let me put it that here. Yeah. Yeah. You will have yeah, to learn technologies. You you cannot say it's not my cup of tea, or I'll ask somebody to develop for me again. Yeah. For that business leader also, that's a problem. Yeah. No, I think I think that's so important that you know while we need to get into the shoes of business leaders, business leaders also need to get into the shoes of CIO to really think through how the whole thing will be conceptualized, project managed, executed, and very importantly operationalized. Because you know uh, the biggest uh, difference between a digital business is like the operations. You know, they absolutely. Have, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, again, the, the concept here is you cannot operational and run those operations in the, in a physical form. The operations, it's a business process re-engineering.
technology out. So it's an entire process re-engineering rather than a technology change. So, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's yeah. where the difference is. Yeah, like I mean, I'll give you a simple example that I, you know, sometimes question people on and they, they sometimes don't have a process for that, you know. It's like on your website, you put a chat function there, right? Now that chat function, anybody around the clock, 24 by 7, anyone can hit that button and want to chat with you, okay? What's your backend process in terms of making sure that, you know, somebody's always available to chat with your customer? That's like operationalizing, you know, what you're talking about, the PPR, you know, having that readiness to connect with customer anytime. So, Kersi, that's like, you know, we are just at the end of it before, you know, letting you take revenge. So, your question for me. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I can ask you any questions. You have been so nice host to me, so I don't want to bully you anything. But uh, just uh, now in your new outer, like new role, like you know, that you are doing. Now, do you find it as a more and uh, what is it challenging than your the IT operation that you are? Do you enjoy this, or you prefer that is a better role that you? No, frankly, Garcia, I, I enjoy it. Initially, you know, I had my anxieties, but you know, I just took it as you know what you told. Like, I also follow the same thing. You know, what's next? You know, where's the next challenge by the next experiment and I was like you know I can always go back to a corporate job but let me uh, see whether I can I can I can do it or not and I had a little bit of a cushion with me so I tried my hand at it and you know I have there has been a lot of fear of failure you know whether it's like setting up my own uh, business or you know even the clarity chat that we started last week you know we did an experiment with clarity chat you know where we got the audience so everything that you do has certain fear of failure but I think there is also a bit of a challenge and a bit of like you know the adrenaline brush that comes with it so I have taken it like as a as an experiment that can I help instead of instead of working in one company and you know helping them can I help more than one businesses can I be like you know can I be as vocal so I in an organization I have been very vocal but outside you know I have always thought twice before you know sharing you know, this gives me an opportunity to you know like share whatever experiences and you know whatever business I have gained from a lot of my uh, mentors and things allows me to share it with people and uh, so that has been fairly rewarding yes there have been anxieties yes I do not have you know, that large and senior team that you get as a CIO and you know who can do everything for you including building your presentations and managing your schedules and everything but yeah I think I, I think I think it's a, it has been a good trade-off the freedom that I get and yes. uh, you know the satisfaction that I get out of doing whatever I want to do you know the, the, the experimentation I mean clarity chat if I had to start as as a CIO, I would probably need some five different permissions. <laughs> I didn't have to see Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I hope. Thanks, Kersi. All the best for your new future also. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, Kersi. And before we uh, go, I just want to thank all my audience for being very engaged and, you know, not losing interest even when I kind of got disconnected. Wow. What a spirited discussion with Kersi. I loved it. I hope you loved it too. If yes, do subscribe to Clarity Chat podcast available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Swami TV, Global Chief Digital Officer of Tata Consumer Products. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Swami TV, Global Chief Digital Officer of Tata Consumer Products.